What an honor to get to partner with them. Agree? Just an honor. This morning, uh, I'm not only excited about what God is doing through Family Promise, but also what He's doing through our adventure body. We really see adventure as a church that is responding to God's whispers, opening their homes during a hectic work week, at hospital bedsides, in prison visitation, at homeless shelters, at weddings, funerals, at rallies, and on multiple Sacramento campuses someday, serving an imperfect world with the mercy of Jesus where no perfect people are allowed. During your hectic work week, can you see yourself, like Deborah, as a distributor of God's hope, of Jesus' hope? What Deborah does is make bold moves to bring Jesus' hope to families. When I was a teenager, I wasn't quite that bold. I spent a lot of my time with my uncle and his best friend, Bob Charbonneau. Both became Christians during the Jesus movement. They were both distributors of Jesus' hope. They were both very public with their faith. Bob and Don would often say, praise the Lord or praise Jesus in the mall, at a restaurant, or at the beach. And I was a new believer, and although I was interested in following Jesus and taking those steps, I wasn't quite that bold. One of the men, Bob Charbonneau, who was a successful medical attorney in Southern California, used to park himself down at Main Beach in Laguna, where I was raised, and he would pass out Gospel of John's animated versions of the Gospel of John uh, that reflect this very animation. And he would just park himself there. Hare Krishna's dancing around him everywhere. And, you know, tourists coming to and fro, volleyball and basketball going on. He just would park himself and be a distributor of Jesus' hope by politely engaging anyone who wanted to have an intelligent or unintelligent conversation about the rationality of becoming a Christian. And as an attorney, he was really strong at convincing people that Jesus was a rational decision to to come to know uh, him in faith. He, he made bold moves. Wouldn't you love personally to begin exercising more freedom in your faith to make bold moves to bring Jesus hope? To be a little bit more free and not feel so constrained by what is or is not acceptable, but to feel like God's Spirit was leading you to very lovingly ooze or share the good news of Jesus to others. Let me tell you that I believe that spirit-led living will naturally move you towards bold moves to serve Jesus. In a book that I have been referencing and will continue to reference throughout our Easter series, The Heavenly Man, written by Brother Yun, who is a Chinese prison camp survivor and considered one of the most influential persons in the underground Chinese church, He writes of how his family came to faith. There were no Bibles in their region. There had been no exposure to Christianity. It's not unusual for for hundreds of thousands of Chinese to have never known the name Jesus before. He writes that his father had contacted uh, cancer and was trying to survive. Uh, His mother was very stressed out about her her husband's uh, prognosis. His condition worsened. 
Brother Yun writes that his mother was under great pressure, facing the daunting possibility of raising five children on her own. She didn't know what would happen. She was hopeless. She was contemplating suicide. Brother Yun relates that one night, while his mother was lying on her bed, that the spirit of Jesus came to her and said, Jesus loves you. She knelt down on the floor and tearfully repented of her sins, rededicated her life to God, specifically to the Lord Jesus, and like a prodigal son, her mother came to know the Lord. She immediately called all of her family to come and pray to Jesus. That's a bold move in China. She told the family, Jesus is the only hope for father or her husband. All of them committed all of their lives on that very night when they heard what had happened, how mother had heard from Jesus. We then laid our hands on father, and for the rest of the night and into the morning, they prayed a simple prayer, Jesus, heal father, Jesus, heal father. The next morning, father was doing much better. For the first time in months, he had an appetite for food. Within a week, he had recovered completely and had no trace of cancer. It was a miracle from God for the family. His parents were so grateful to God for what God had done that they immediately wanted to share the good news with everyone else in their village. Illegal. In those days, it was illegal to hold any meetings or public gatherings, but his parents came up with a plan. They sent us children to invite relatives and friends to our home. People came to our home without knowing the reason they'd been summoned. Many of them thought they had been summoned because father had died. And so they came dressed for the funeral. Well, daddy greeted everyone at the door. He was healthy. He was full of joy. And when all of their relatives and friends had arrived, parents asked them all to come inside the house. They locked the doors, covered all the windows, and explained how Father had been completely healed by praying to Jesus. That's a bold move in China in the underground church. All the relatives and friends knelt down on the floor and gladly accepted Jesus as Lord and Master. Can you see that happening in your own community? Inviting friends over and telling them what Jesus had done for you and giving them an opportunity to learn more about Him? bringing them perhaps to a service or to a community group or to a service project like many of even my neighbors have gone to with Family Promise uh, and giving them a chance to find hope in Christ. All the relatives of Brother Yun and his friends knelt down on the floor and gladly accepted Jesus as Lord and Master. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of freedom to be less distracted by all the worries that we have throughout the week and instead be led by the Holy Spirit throughout your week in the midst of your chaos to be sensitive to how he's leading you. I found great delight just recently in being more open to this. It was Sadie Hawkins night. My son was getting ready to uh, go to the Sadie Hawkins dance and he brought a guest over. His name was Jonah. And I was like, Jonah, nice to meet you. Jonah, are you named after the Jonah of the Bible? He goes, yeah. I go, that's cool. Have you ever read the book? He goes, no, never have. I'm like, dude, how much time you got? It's only five chapters. He goes, I've got time. And I, we sat down. I got to read the book of Jonah uh, to him for the first time. He's 16 years old, had never been exposed to it before. There's something so fun about being led by the Spirit. Then someone else came to our door. His name was Isaac. He has six, or Isaiah. He has 66 chapters noted to his name. Just kidding. <laughs> But there's something so fun about being led by the Spirit and just lovingly, just unashamedly letting the Spirit lead you. 
What is spirit-led worship? That's what I want to answer this morning. It's this sensitivity that's modeled by the Yun family. It it exemplifies spirit-led living. And in the case of the Yun family, making a bold move to serve Jesus is spirit-led worship. It's boldness. But it's not just, it's not being bigoted or it's not being um, unnecessarily annoying or, um, or, or unpeaceful. It's, it's like the Young family practiced. It's sending children to invite friends and relatives into their home, explaining a miraculous healing and giving the family an opportunity to accept Jesus as Lord. Today's message can be summarized as this. Spirit-led worship is a bold move to serve Jesus. Spirit-led worship is a bold move as a family to serve Jesus. If you came this morning with your Bibles, I want to take you to a passage of Scripture that I think is one of the most challenging passages in the New Testament, written by one of Jesus' co-workers, Paul, to a church he started that is now receiving the first letter that he's that he's ever written to them. 20 years have passed. They had to be dependent upon the Spirit leading. They didn't have any Bible to go to. And in Philippians chapter 3, you're going to see in verses 3 through 11 that Spirit-led worship truly is a bold move to serve Jesus. Follow me in, and watch Paul's words in verses 3 and following. Paul writes, he says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Paul was well educated. He said, if anyone thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day. Of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. A Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. He was a former persecutor of Christians. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. Wow, not a fun guy to hang out with if you, if you like to break rules. But he says this, whatever I considered, whatever, what, what, whatever was my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ, he says, and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Do you hear that language? He's writing from a prison cell. The food probably isn't very good. He probably doesn't have an ocean view from Rome. And yet he's saying, I want to know Jesus more deeply. He says in verse 3, we who worship by the Spirit of God. We don't worship in a building. We worship by the Holy Spirit that lives in these temples, our bodies, who glory in Christ Jesus who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Paul says, there are reasons I could brag. I've got an Ivy League pharisaical PhD. I've, I've, I've got the right ethnicity. I am not only from, I'm not only an Israelite, I'm a Benjamite. I'm one of those. 
I've, he, and he didn't even mention that he was trained under the well-known uh, Pharisaical leader Gamaliel. This guy studied at the Yale, he studied at the MTI, or rather MIT, or the Harvard of his era. And he says, I consider all that worthless talking about. I value knowing Jesus more than anything and serving him. He says, spirit-led worship is a bold move to serve Jesus, not myself. Spirit-led worship is a bold move to serve Jesus, not myself. How do we know that worship has something to do with service? It's the original word. The word for worship here in verse 3 is this Greek word, latreo. And it means to serve for hire, to serve, minister to, either to the gods or men, and used like that of slaves and free men. In the New Testament, it means to render religious service, homage, or to worship. Paul believed that the most important thing for him to do was to serve Jesus Christ. And as a former persecutor of Christians, this is saying a lot, Paul considered serving Jesus his first act of worship. It was very important to him. And it was not just serving Jesus that motivated Paul. Paul, it went deeper than just serving the Lord. He wanted to know the Lord Jesus. And so he writes, uh, he writes, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. You know, if you have had a friend for 5, 10, 25 years, you're, you're just getting to know that friend more and more deeply. Um, you know, if you're married, that you are getting to know your spouse more and more. Melissa and I are celebrating 27 years here this spring, and we, thank you, and we are, honestly, she may fully understand me and know me. That wouldn't surprise me. I'm just getting to know her more and more deeply and treasure her more. And the same with our children. We think we know our children. Oh, we don't know them. They are, we're getting to know them more and more in the same way. We think we know the Lord. We don't know him. He's, 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 he's so vast, and as you walk with him, though, and go through difficult seasons, you'll get to know him more and more deeply. Paul considered everything, everything a loss compared to the importance of knowing Jesus Christ, for whose sake he's lost all things. Let me ask, what would you be willing to lose to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus? What kind of losses would you be willing to accept? to grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus. Spirit-led worship is a bold move to serve Jesus and to know Jesus as Lord. Knowing Jesus enabled Paul to leave behind any effort also to self-justify. Remember, in verse 6, he said, as to the law, that is the Torah, the prophets, he obeyed them without fault. Um, and he, he indicates that no longer does he find his uh, approval from God based on his own conduct or his own law-abiding citizenry or law-abiding um, uh, life, he said that now, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, I have a righteousness that comes through faith in Christ. The righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. And so there is a righteousness, a rightness, a right standing before God that's both positional and practical. One gives us legal standing before God. The other term is justification. That what Christ did on that cross, if I believe in it, it completely um, pardons me of all sin. And the rightness or uh, legal standing that Jesus has before his Father is appropriated to me. Just 
just once for all, for all my sin. Christ's sacrifice covers all my sin, every day, all day long. But what's equally exciting is that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead on the third day comes into me and writes the law and the teachings of Christ on my heart. So now I want to will and to work for God's good pleasure. It's all his work. If there's anything good in me, it's because of Jesus Christ and only him. Not my good works, not my great efforts. Christ's righteousness alone by faith. And this is important to realize because spirit-led worship is a bold move to serve Jesus and let go of two things. You let go of, number one, moral superiority. This idea that we're morally superior as Christians or even as a parent, as a husband, as a, um, as a neighbor, that you're any morally superior to anybody else. Because anything good in us is from Christ. But there's also this tendency, I think, for moral inferiority. And this is this idea that, wow, just because I fail, I, I, have, I slip up, I do things I regret, I say things I regret, ugh, and I'm, I'm hard on myself. Others are, maybe I'm descri- others, others are on me, maybe I'm describing you. And what I think this speaks to is the importance of realizing God loves us even though we feel morally inferior. You may be in the church and feel like, you know what, I can't really get connected here until I take care of this. And let me tell you, that, that is not the case. We are a no-perfect-people church. We want to help people move closer and closer to Jesus no matter what you're going through. And that means that we're, we don't consider ourselves morally superior, nor do we consider ourselves morally inferior. It's neutral. We believe that Christ alone is the one that gives us uh, His righteousness that helps us do anything that is good. This language helps us, especially in a culture that thinks we're so judgmental. In addition to serving, knowing, and receiving the righteousness of Jesus, there is a personal resurrection experience here that Paul's talking about. We get to experience the power of his resurrection. Paul writes, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. Have you ever prayed that prayer? Lord Jesus, I want to suffer with you. Lord, I want to share in your sufferings. It's not a prayer that I word a whole lot. And yet Paul viewed it as an opportunity to go deeper with the Lord. Spirit-led worship is a bold move to serve Jesus and experience his power, his sufferings, and his resurrection. Let me take you back to the Chinese church. In the last 60 years, the Chinese church has grown from a small number of house churches in, this, in that great nation of a billion-plus people to now, some suggest, a hundred million Christ followers that all practice their faith underground, in houses, in, 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 in office buildings, in apartments, all throughout China. And I have been so moved to learn about their most recent missionary endeavor that's really surfaced in the last 15 years. It's called Back to Jerusalem. They have a vision by the Holy Spirit to march 100,000 missionaries from China to Jerusalem along the, one of the three ancient silk routes. You can see them behind me. Three routes that will go through the most unreached lands of our globe, the most hostile to the gospel, where you can easily lose your life. These 100,000 volunteer Chinese Christians 
have started making their way from China to Jerusalem. And they argue that our goal is not to do a, perform a conference in, in Jerusalem. Our goal is to start house churches. Our goal is to spread the gospel in unreached people groups. In, it's called the 1040 window uh, behind me. The most unreached people groups are right there between China and, uh, and Jerusalem. And so how do they get there? They march. They march and pray. And their training is threefold. The, their, their training can be summarized in three ways. We train on how to testify of Jesus and lead house churches. We train on how to escape from prison if given the opportunity because we feel like the Lord wants us to share the gospel and not spend too much time in prison. Although they do consider prison seminary. That's where they learn the Bible. And then thirdly, we train on how to experience martyrdom, how to be tortured and experience martyrdom as a Christ follower. That's their calling, 100,000 of them. Spirit-led worship is a bold move to serve Jesus and experience his power, his sufferings, and his resurrection. I'm overwhelmed by this kind of commitment. They sent a group, I think it was of 4,000 actually, I misquoted last service. They sent a group of 4,000 to leave China and start this effort. This is like 15 years ago. And uh, some 3,600 were stopped at the border. 400 got through. They were excited about it. They say if we can experience and endure suffering in China, we can handle anything. Spirit-led worship is this bold move to serve Jesus. Wouldn't you like to have that kind of freedom? Now, some of you are like, no. No, I don't want to do that at all. I'm not talking about marching across the 1040 window. I'm talking about just being bold about letting the Holy Spirit lead you right here in Natomas, right here in Sacramento. I'm talking about just being spirit-led, following those promptings of the Holy Spirit. I had a chance to be with a faculty member recently in our area. She wanted to meet with me, and I made a decision. I've been praying for this gal for, for five years when we sit down, I'm going to ask her if she is ready to make Jesus the leader of her life. And we sat down, and I listened and listened, and I said, are you ready? She said, yes. And I said, well, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? And she prayed it and made Jesus the leader of her life. That's the kind of boldness I'm talking about. It's just being ready for how the Spirit's leading constantly. Being ready. What is spirit-led worship? Well, it's spirit-led worship. It's a bold move to serve Jesus, not myself. To not be focused on my credentials, to not be focused on, on my skill set. But, you know, look at, look at Moses. He wasn't, he wasn't chosen because he was a great orator and could speak to Pharaoh. Contrary, he was chosen because he was humble and willing to trust God. It wasn't his gift set, it was his heart. Do you have a heart that's ready to be spirit-led? Spirit-led worship is a bold move to serve Jesus and know Him as Lord. It's personal. The Scriptures teach us that someday we will see Christ face-to-face just as He is. Yet in our own seasons of challenge right now, we get a chance to know Jesus more personally, to know Him. Spirit-led worship is a bold move to serve Jesus and let go of moral superiority or inferiority. I love this because I don't have to be the policeman. I don't have to be out telling everyone... Uh, that they're doing what they're doing, that, that, that uh, acting like I'm morally superior or morally inferior. He's the only one that's morally, morally superior. 
And so I can just point people to Jesus Christ and his life and the standard of his life by which we will be judged someday. And then fourthly, spirit-led worship is a bold move to serve Jesus and experience his power, his sufferings, and his resurrection. Let me just suggest that some of you may be going through a season of suffering. And I want to encourage you, there's power in that. There's power in that. And I want to suggest that we, uh, Americans, especially Californians, and I'm one of them, a proud one, you know, we're not really good with suffering. It was humid last night. We're, we're ready to turn the air conditioner on. Oh my gosh, it's a state of emergency in our home, right? We don't do well with discomfort. Uh-uh, we got a problem here. Yeah, it's humidity's ridiculous. I don't know if I'm going to make it through the night. Someone bring me water, you know? We, yeah, we don't do well with suffering. We need to do better with it because suffering is a chance to experience Christ's power. Well, are you making bold moves to serve Jesus? Let me ask you a series of questions. Number one, have you made that initial bold step to follow the Spirit and join Him symbolically in baptism? I've heard a couple of people, one today, uh, one this week, say, hey, I'm ready to be baptized. I'm ready. I'm ready to be dunked. That's a moment, that's an occasion where you connect with the Holy Spirit. If you're ready to learn more about that, on March 22nd, we have a class. Let us know on a card, coming to the class. doesn't commit you, but you can, you can learn more about it. That's a start, that's a step. It can be a scary one, it can be a bold one. But once you do it, you'll feel fantastic. And what's cool, all you gotta do is show. We do it all. You don't have to swim. It's not a swimming, you know, trial Number two, are you making bold moves to serve Jesus in this regard? With whom are you praying for the Spirit's direction? Do you have someone with whom you're praying? A spouse? A friend? Have you learned the importance of inviting others to pray for you? Do you have someone that you've allowed to pray for you that you're willing to say, hey, what's the Lord telling you about me? What do I need to hear from you? Do you open up like that? That, that's what it means to be spirit-led. We all want to be spirit-led alone, but it's together. We're led by the Holy Spirit as a body. How are you praying? How are you involving, involving others in, in, in praying for you? Thirdly, are you obeying the sharp truth of the Bible that sets us free? The Bible. Let me show you how Chinese respond when they get their first Bible. Check this out. Almost makes you want to cry, doesn't it? Parents, as a dad, dad to dad, parents, grandparents, our children will follow our example. 
if we do not value this book more than Netflix, ESPN, video games, our children will not value it. It won't happen. We can talk about it. If they don't see this book open on our laps or on our smartphones, it will not become a part of their lifestyle. Folks, opening this book is one of the greatest needs in our country today. And obeying the sharp truth of the word. The word will, will speak sharply to you and lead you. Are, you. are you obeying it? It's what can set you free. Finally, are you sharing the gospel and winning souls? Are you, when's the last time you shared your Jesus story? What you were before and what you were after? What you are now? When's the last time you mentioned Jesus in public? When's the last time you just asked someone, hey, are you a Christian? Have you considered the claims of Christ? Have you looked at the evidences of the historical Jesus? Have you ever considered setting aside your maybe prejudgments and really looking at the facts of the life of Christ? The scriptures teach us in Philemon that there's great benefit and power when you start sharing Jesus. I'm not talking about being annoying. I'm talking about being spirit-led today. Folks, in a few weeks, we have our Easter services. Our Easter services will be focused on discoveries uh, from the persecuted church in China, Somalia, and Russia. Three-week series starting Palm Sunday. It's called Bold Moves. There's an invite inside of your programs. But I want to argue that we don't invite people to church Easter. We bring them. We ask if we can bring them to services. We ask if we can take them to lunch, take them to brunch, and we love them. And, and I think therein, there could be some significant conversations that will follow. Folks, this is our Silk Road. Natomas, right here. This is our community. Juan, can I have that last image, please? This is our 95835 and outskirts area. This is our mission field where 17 languages are spoken. We are ambassadors right here. We have so much opportunity. But we're like everyone else. We're as busy as we've ever been. I'm not, I'm not challenging you today to stop being busy. I'm challenging you to be spirit-led and be open for those promptings of the Holy Spirit that lives in you, the Spirit of Jesus. Let's pray. Heavenly Father.